Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Conscious Vibe Podcast, where we elevate intellect through conscious dialogue while exploring race, politics, business, and culture. I'm Dr. Daryl L. Jones, and I'm Charles D. Mitchell. Charles, how are you? DJ, um, I'm actually, I'm, I'm good overall. Okay. I'm a little beat up today. I had a, another triathlon yesterday. Oh, did you? Yeah. How'd it go? Actually, it went well until like about 10 o'clock last night when I was about to go to bed. <laughs> and my body started saying, hey, did you do a triathlon today? And uh, proceeded to start the like, well, you know, congratulations, started bothering man. me, my back, all that sort of stuff. But no, it was great. It was fun. Congratulations. Yeah, Thank congratulations. you. Full? Full, full try? Yeah, well, mini triathlon. Mini triathlon. We'll make sure that's clear, which is uh, a three-mile run, 12-mile bike ride, and a 25-mile, maybe 25-lap swim. Okay. Yeah. I, just, yeah. I have mad respect for anybody. I, I, I moved back here from Kona. So, oh, and I'm yeah. just a cyclist. I don't Have you ever watched the uh, the Netflix show on Kona? It's super inspiring no, about the Kona Ironman. Is that where they follow a couple different they athletes? They follow different a- athletes. Okay. And I've seen a lot of different tell specials. their story. Mm-hmm. It's pretty incredible. What's the name of it? I don't know. They basically just have a Kona Ironman 2021 mm. or 2020 or 2019, and they just kind of go through the litany of people who you know were inspiring and, and tell their stories. Yeah, interesting. Cool. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. I know enough about it to know I never want to do it. <laughs> Kona is yeah, brutal. you know, I, I you know I went into this thing thinking I wanted to do an Ironman at some point, but I'm getting to rethink that. <laughs> well, well, let's hard. introduce this third voice. Uh, bring. I thought we're just gonna have a mystery guest. No one. <laughs> people would have to guess. You're so hard as a mystery guest. <laughs> Brent Grafe, Director of Operations, Hotel Valley Ho, Scottsdale, Arizona. Welcome to the show. Glad to be on the show. Thank you very much for having me. Exciting. My first podcast. So Is it really? It is. Well, that, that's a shame, but <laughs> we're, we're glad to uh, bring you into the podcast fold. So you and I have been to Zuzu a couple of times, and no. I was, always had a good time. It's always. chill. It's right. Have you ever stayed there? Never. You haven't? Why would I live three minutes away? I live across the street. And I, stay. <laughs> I mean, so what? The ultimate staycation. Walk, I, I got to tell you, feet. man, there's something, and, and you know, you, we've known each other now probably a year and a half, right? Yeah. Because yeah. during you, house hunting here. You're our only guest. Right? I, yeah. I was coming and I was like, okay, I think I want to live here. But I stayed at Valley Hall. And I got to tell you, man, there's something about it. I can't quite put my finger on why I love it so much. It's kind of like this urban resort in a way, but it's just so relaxed. You don't really feel like you're in a hotel. It's kind of like a resort. Sure. But you're so close to everything. Sure. You know, it's just, it's just an amazing experience. I, I thought you may have stayed just to. No, I've had friends stay there, though. P- friends who have okay. visited. Because, yeah. like I said, we we literally live like. It's a three-minute car ride, hmm. you know, depending on if you hit the light, right? It's like Street, it's a, right? Yeah. But it's, it's not very far. And yeah. so friends have stayed there in the past, and it's just been a good gathering place. It's, it's such a, a great spot. But so as director of operations, what does your job entail? I mean, really everything. Because yeah. ultimately, at the end of the day, guest satisfaction falls falls to me. So yeah. that, that encompasses everything from when they make the reservation to the arrival experience to – you know, enjoying Zuzu, enjoying the pool, 
Um, thank you for the great feedback. That's we love that. Um, Absolutely. Part of the reason a lot of the exec team is there because we've all worked for big corporate programs, mm-hmm. five star, five diamond, and a lot of us, uh, you know, wanted to bring that that high level of service, but in a totally more casual atmosphere. Yeah. and that's what we try to. That's the culture we try to get across there. Which isn't easy to achieve, you know, because there's nothing stuffy about it. But the expectation level is really high there, too. And you see such a diverse consumer set mm-hmm. there. You know, um, it, it's amazing. I live across the street and I eat there probably three days a week um, at, at Zuzu. But I, I really enjoy it. Um, let's take a little step back. Before we actually started the podcast, you were saying something really interesting about your family's journey from Germany to the United States. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so my dad uh, and my uncle, both born in Germany, came mm-hmm. over when they were 9 and 12. Uh, they ended up settling in East Stroudsburg, um, or actually Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. My dad went to East Stroudsburg University. Um, basically, you know, so many stories. They came over, and by the time they got here, they had they had nothing. They basically had to start from scratch and, uh, you know, lots of hard work. And one of the things I thought was really cool is it wasn't just mom and dad working to get the house, to get the, you know, where they are. It was the whole family, you know, the, the, the my, my dad, my uncle, everybody working and all that money getting pulled to be able to buy the first home, buy the car, yeah. do all that kind of stuff. And then, uh, yeah, then just grew their, grew their success from there. What but, part of Germany? Um, about an hour outside of Frankfurt. Yeah. In the Rauschenberg, I think mm. is his hometown. You've been to Germany before? I have. I uh, went to Berlin a few years ago. Same. Yeah. yeah. Great city, I thought. Great city. Yeah. Um, it's actually a pretty happening. It, vibrant. Light, nightlife yeah. town. Yeah. Um, but obviously, went and checked out the uh, East Berlin and some of the, uh, you know, it's, it's still ravaged from, mm-hmm. you know, what, I mean, it's like 40 years ago yeah. now. Uh, 50 years ago now. And so, uh, just seeing a lot of the uh, historical sites there, there's a... Um, uh, museum called the um, it's, it's the Museum of the, the Murdered Jews of Europe. So they don't call mm. it a Holocaust Museum. Mm. Um, but it's, it's stunning and obviously very solemn uh, as well, somber. Um, but I, I love Berlin. It's cool yeah, city. It's on our to-do list. We were, we were going to try to do it this summer, but just with everything with COVID, because my dad's getting up there in age to go take the whole family over, including us, my boys, so then he could basically, you know, walk them around his hometown. And Oh, wow. Them. You have yeah. two boys? Two boys. Yeah, 16 and 13. So, oh, they're young men. Really? Okay, yes. yeah. So we'll uh, we'll probably punt that to, to next year. Yeah. We'll try to get over there, and that'll probably be my dad's last, last trip over there. But you mentioned something a little somber around not everybody made it over, right? Yeah, yeah. There was so there was four four kids, older sister, younger sister, and, and through illness or just circumstances, the the two sisters didn't make the didn't make. The wow, trip. man. Yeah, yeah. So it's you know it shows you how dire the circumstances were over there to take those risks to get out of the country to to build a whole new life. And I'm always curious. So when they they landed, obviously there was college, but what were their first jobs? Their first uh, occupation. So my grandfather was a was a carpenter. Okay. I think my dad's first job was like driving a beer truck. Wow. In, in Pennsylvania. Yeah. And then um, went to East Strasburg University, and then kind of just yeah, he went. In, my dad went into the hotel business, and then my uncle went into the military. So he was, okay. in, the, he was in the Air Force. Okay. So now, how about your history? You were born Florida. No, I was born in New Orleans. New Orleans. Okay. I was, born, was there for just a short time. Uh, then we moved to the Virgin Islands. 
Got so it. Okay. Li- lived on St. John for most of my young childhood. Uh, you know, crazy times. I had to go down to the dock in St. John to take the boat over to St. Thomas to go to school because there wasn't there on wasn't a daily a, basis. On a daily basis, well, Monday through Friday. Yeah. Wow, it yeah. had to be fun. Yeah, I mean, St. John's back in the seventies was a pretty, not much there. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> then we uh, left the Virgin Islands, moved to a bigger island, Maui. Lived in Kapalua Bay, and then um, yeah, then right from, next to the Ritz Carlton. This is way before the Ritz Carlton. Yeah. This is yeah. This is before the Ritz Carlton. There was there was a hotel called Kapalua Bay that got bulldozed, and then they built condos. And so obviously the golf course wasn't there either. Uh, Kapalua course. Well, there was a golf course. I don't know if it was the same one that's there now. Charles loves that, golf. That whole that whole Bay Area has I'll changed. Start, I'll, start. Huh? <laughs> I'll start that. But I have played Kapalua and I played it twice. By the way, okay. did you get rained on? No. No. Oh, yeah. two great rounds. Good. <laughs> you're sure he doesn't believe me. He doesn't believe me because he doesn't think I've ever I believe played. everything you he tell me, Charles. Me. I believe everything you tell me, man. Yeah, I, I wouldn't doubt you. Okay, so um, you end up college in Florida. End up, Am so right? my, my junior year of high school, we moved from New Hampshire to Miami. Okay, got it. So finished up high school in Miami, stayed in Miami, went to, started at Florida International University, North mm-hmm. Campus in the hospitality program. Realized sitting in classrooms that get this. I stayed there. I lived on campus at Florida International University. Oh, did you at North I, Campus when I worked at uh, North Campus when I worked? Oh, at, did you? Okay, when I worked at the PGA Tour. So you guys have history yeah. we didn't even know about. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I lived there for one semester, and then realized that I didn't going to school for hotels probably wasn't my best move. So then I transferred to South Campus and got my degree in business. That's that just was. Oh, more. is that right? Okay, that's so funny. Yeah, it's just more, just more well-rounded to. Yeah, I think when I was. In undergrad at Michigan State, it was ASU and Michigan State that were known for their hospitality mm-hmm. programs and had a lot of students that found it really interesting, but mm-hmm. that and construction management sort of emerging. Um, so you finish in Florida. When did you know, hey, I want to make a career out of hospitality? Probably at that time. So the whole time I was going to school, I was working at, there's a hotel in Coconut Grove called the Mayfair House. Mm-hmm. So I was working, I was going to school Monday through Thursday and then working there Friday, Saturday, Sundays. Yeah. And then it's pretty much like, this is, this is something. I this like. is what you want to do. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You get into the business because you, you know, enjoy being around the guests, the staff. Yeah. Um, I was listening to one of your podcasts, uh, your, your friend from um, Jordan, and he talked about that golden rule. Uh, yeah, yourself Cliff and the King. other person. Like, yeah. treat, treat, treat them the way you'd want to be treated. Absolutely. And that's, that's always been my golden rule for um, my whole life. So Absolutely. To be able to do that and impact that many people at a hotel is a pretty, pretty cool thing. So then how did, how did COVID affect you guys at the Valley Hall? Well, we, had, we were having a pretty strong march. And mm-hmm. then um, as soon as they pretty much canceled spring training, that's when, that's when things went on the downturn. And by, by April... <clears throat> You know, things were things were pretty much a ghost town. You know, a lot of hotels closed. We one of the unique things about Valley Ho is that we have full time owners that live in the hotel. So that was, and we have an awesome owner. So it was like, no, we're gonna we're gonna keep the doors open regardless. God, we're, not, we're never gonna close because, and and it's always so hard when you close any kind of business to to recover and bring it back. Um, is you have to bring the people back, yeah. Bring the people back, kind of get back up to speed. Sure. So we stayed open, um, you know, very limited occupancy. Um, we had our owners in house, and then, and then when it kind of got where it was getting into the summer, and, and California was shut down, 
Colorado, Washington State. Like we had a pretty good summer. Everybody summer of twenty. Summer of twenty. Yeah. Everybody was coming here because they wanted yeah. to eat, they wanted to eat a meal in a restaurant. As soon as we went back, because we before there was a while there, we only had takeout. Um, but as soon as we could do limited dining room capacity or use the patio, um, yeah, and the pools were open. Um, yeah, you know that's when every every Airbnb with a pool or hotel with a pool got got pretty busy, and then all of our cases shot up, and then we had the mandatory mask go, and then it kind of it slowed down again after that. Um, but I mean, I think Arizona in general did did pretty well through COVID compared to a lot of other like Hawaii. You got a lot of criticism. Uh, yeah. Probably a lot more in the fall time frame and, you know, as we moved into to winter. But I think that if we look at over time, I think that we've done, a, to your point, a really good job in terms mm-hmm. of managing it, but also not shutting down our economy, right? Mm-hmm. And allowing you know, great venues like the Valley Ho to, to continue to, to, to provide service to their customers. Really, We really need that. Yeah, I mean, you know, we can never forget. We spiked at one point, and the casualties were just yeah unreal, yeah. right? And we can't forget that. Yeah, that's no question. At the same time, to your point, you know, from an economic perspective, this was still a hotbed, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, which is really interesting. So who do you guys consider your competition? I mean, I've stayed at many hotels across the world, and— you know, even just from a local perspective, when I think about the W or some of the other hotels, I don't necessarily see them competing with you guys from a profile perspective. But who do you guys consider? Is it just any place anybody would stay? Is it Airbnb? Is it the W? Well, as far as in our backyard, our, our top competitor would be the W. Okay. Um, the Scott we put in there as well. Got it. Um, it is though different because of how, you know, we're on so many acres and we have some absolute lands where you take the W, which is more of a city yeah. center pools mm-hmm. on the third floor. Um, but as far as the experience um, rates, occupancy, they would be, they would be our top competitor. Okay. Um, we always put mountain shadows in there just cause it's our sister hotel Got it. on the other side. So we always have to have a competition. You've been out there them. before, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mountain shadows is cool too. Different spin on that. A similar question to that, because um, I have friends in uh, the restaurant business, and we always talk about who does it really well. Like, who do people in that industry try to emulate? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd be curious to know, from a hospitality standpoint, you know, beyond the local marketplace, who do you try to emulate to to achieve that that high level of service and, and competency that that um, you know everyone else is striving for? Who do you see as being out out there? This. Yeah, that well, if I pull if I pull from my own experience, because I, I was with Four Seasons for yeah. eight years, I was with Fairmont for a number of years. So what what they are trying to do is personalize an experience, get to know their guests. You know, you spoke like there's so many different types of guests mm-hmm. coming through our door, and what works for you know corporate guy that comes in, he's got meetings, is completely different than the party of ten bachelorette party that's that's coming in. So how yeah. do you try to like? you know, hit the nail on the head with them. What's, what's, what's important to them? What are they looking for? Um, you know, maybe it's a, you know, guys group and they want to, you know, play golf and hit, hit good restaurants every night. Um, so that's what I mean. Personalized experience is what, what we're trying to really do. Um, be different. I mean, that's one of the things about our hotel. We don't want to be cookie cutter. Um, there's a lot of hotels that put a lot of effort into trying not to be cookie cutter, but they're part of a bigger chain. So yeah, they just kind of fall. They kind of pigeonhole into that type of property. Um, you know, I don't think anybody walks into our hotel and thinks we're, we're cookie cutter. 
That's no, we, no, we wear that. We, we wear that pride on our sleeve. Um, well, the other thing too is I don't. I don't even know if you probably thought about it, and it might be intentional. No matter where you go, you can see outside. That's a really good point. See, I mean, even rooms. Mm-hmm. So the rooms in the guest rooms, the meeting rooms, anywhere in the restaurant, in the lobby. You can see outside no matter where you are. Well, nine so months you, out of the year, it's you want to be outside, abs- right? <laughs> absolutely. But other hotels, you don't necessarily experience that. And I, and I think that's part of what makes it, too, is people always feel like they're a part of what's happening outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but you guys are also very respectful uh, to guests. And from a service perspective, you, you guys do a really, really wonderful job. I mean— Genuine. It's just—it's it's, it's organic. It's genuine. That's, yeah. You know— we, we talked about Ritz-Carlton. Uh, Ritz-Carlton has an amazing training program, but it's, you know, it's very structured. Ladies and gentlemen. You've experienced that before, right? The Ritz. A ton. Where we, yeah. we want all of the colleagues to basically put their, their personality, their spin into it. And, yeah. you know, Ver, Sharon, I mean, the people we have on our yeah. team that have been there for so long. Um, that That's part of the reason people come back. I mean, it's it's a home away from home. It's the, it's the it name is. recognition. It's the... It's just genuine hospitality. I mean, that's that's what we're that's definitely what we want to try to do. And even to the point where I, that's where I was working out during COVID. I still work out there now. Sure. I mean, it's it's really amazing. I remember I was living in Vegas, and when I was coming over to house hunt, <clears throat> um, a good friend of mine, we worked out at the same place, and she would come over for work all the time, and. I thought this was like the Valley Hole was some obscure spot. I looked at it like, yeah, I think I'll try it out. She says she religiously stays there every single time. She turns down the W, turns down. And it's just, I think that's, you know, hats off to you guys uh, for doing that. Thank you. Well, the location is amazing. I mean, I think that's a Mm -hmm. great, great amenity that you have, which is your ability to have proximity to, you know, everything that you really want to do in Old Town Scottsdale uh, and within walking distance. Mm -hmm. Uh, But at the same time, have a bit of a sort of tranquil environment where you can just enjoy the grounds there. It's just uh, really nice. Thank you. So there's got to be some crazy stories. We're not going to put you on the spot. We don't need names, right? We don't don't need. But, But I live across the street and I see the flow, right? And I'm like, that's going to be a problem. Like when I see people walk in, certain people. How do you manage that but still allow people to be themselves and, and have fun? Because you got a pool over there that's a destination point too, right? Mm-hmm. How do you do that? Well, I mean, one of the things I told you, we want everybody to have a good time, but when one, one guest's good time kind of negatively impacts another guest, <laughs> exactly. um, then you got to, you know, hey, let's let's find some middle ground here. Yeah. Um, you know, we had <laughs> any, lots of stories, and I don't even have to go that far back into the memory banks. So like, I can just go back to this past weekend where you go to a room – and, um, oh you know, there's a noise complaint about a room. You go to the room and knock on the door and they come to the door and you're like, hey, we've had a noise complaint. And then it's like a clown car. And like there's 40 people in a, in a room that's in a room, made for four. No way. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just like, wait a minute. Like how many, you know. <laughs> so, well, and then you're pet friendly too, right? Yep. And, that, and that, that creates a whole nother. I mean, that's yep. got to be. Yeah, we accommodate the whole, all the yeah. members of the family. So, from a personal perspective, hobby wise, um, what are you interested in? Like, what things are you doing? Obviously, you got two kids. I'm sure that takes up a lot of your time. 
but you're not working all the time, right? So what sort of things interest you off the clock? Try to spend a lot of time on the bike, uh, either road bike or mountain bike. Okay. Uh, did a lot of road biking in Kona. So when I got back to Phoenix, I, I really wanted to do more mountain biking because you didn't really have that in Hawaii. On, on the big island. Yeah. Uh, so when I'm not cycling, yeah, my, my younger son is, is all involved with the Horizon Junior football program. Oh, is that so, right? Yep. What position? Uh, center and then um, linebacker. So, okay. You know, a lot of times he goes both ways. So, um, so yeah, he's Which just, is, that's the 16-year-old? No, this 13, is the 13-year-old. 13, okay. Yeah. This, the 16-year-old play for Horizon High School his freshman year, and then sophomore year was covid Got so he, okay. he didn't play sophomore year. Um, I don't okay. know if he's now he's got a job at Home Depot, and I, I think he's. I don't think he's uh, he's not as passionate about football as my, okay. as my third my thirteen year old is lives and breathes it. So he's got to be kind of a big dude playing center and linebacker, or are they still his, at his nickname is Pork Chop. <laughs> wow, that tells you all you need. To you know, know what though? But I would think he's big. But then when you see these other teams, and this is the thirteen U team. And when we play some of these other teams and like the kids that he's going up against that are lining up against him on the other side, I'm like, you know, they look like they drove themselves to the game. <laughs> but he's still got the heart in the. Yeah. 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 So he'll. So play, now where uh, did he get that from? Uh, yeah. I mean, probably, probably from dad a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You can say, I mean, you can say it, man. If that's, if that's yeah. okay. No, I mean, it's, he knows it's, mom is listening. It's, 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 it's self-driven too. You know, he's, he's got that, he's got that competitive energy in him about everything he does. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And we're lucky they both get straight A's. They're both really good students. So we give them a lot of freedom to do their online gaming and all that stuff. Cause they, they still keep their grades really strong and then have their sports. Now are your kids into online gaming and that sort of stuff? Jaden plays Fortnite. All the freaking time. Really? Yeah. I've never yeah. seen her play when I'm over there. She's in a room playing. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> okay, got it. Got it's it. The, it's mo- the most ridiculous thing ever. Really? Yeah. Now, are you into it, dude? Do you play? No. No. Okay. I did I a long time. When I was a night manager working in Beverly Hills, yeah. and I'd, you know, work the overnights, get home, I'd either go snowboarding or go home and, like, do some Call of Duty or something like that. Okay. But and you were married at the time? No. This is, this is, was this is before marriage, BK, <laughs> yeah. before kids. So, so wait a minute. Where did you work in Beverly Hills? Beverly Wilshire. The Wilshire? Mm-hmm. Now, you That's what I'm up. Talk about stories. That's oh, one of my, uh, yeah, oh, no, those yeah, are stories. Stories with, with names everybody oh, yes. knows. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's what I, that's what and I And you mean. have yeah. to be amazed that these stories have not gone public, some of them, right? I mean, some have. There have been some yeah. beat downs. That's, that another, that's yeah. another hospitality golden rule. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, it was in the movie Pretty Well, What Happens at the Beverly Wilshire. Stays at the Beverly Wilshire. Beverly Wilshire. <laughs> well, yeah, I bet. Yeah, I've actually had a few drinks at the Beverly Wilshire. It's pretty cool, I'll tell it's yeah. iconic from a sta- from that standpoint. Yeah. Now, were you married at the time you had drinks there? So why are you asking me that? <laughs> I'm just trying to get a feel for the timing of it. Yes and no. I've been going to LA for a long time. So you were there single at one point? Yes, at one okay. point. Yes, yes and no. All right. These stories don't involve Charles, do they? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. no, he said I can't names. Recall. He said names that he yeah. said names that we all know. Yeah, uh, that, that was the right. one that took me out of the running. I don't right remember Carl Charles' names being in any of my security reports. See, see. Okay, all right. <laughs> thank you, got it. Thank you, right. thank you. You escaped that one. Exactly. So you've lived all over, man. Favorite city and why? Um, 
I know I hate people ask me my favorite city. I've lived all over, but I'm asking. I mean, right now, favorite city would be Scottsdale. Yeah, because we could we could live anywhere we want to live. Yeah. And 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 when we left Scottsdale to go to the Big Island, and we had the opportunity, the guy that was his name was Guy Bittner. He was the resort manager at the Phoenician. He used to be the resort manager at the at the Orchid. When he gave me the call to potentially come back to Scottsdale and work at the Phoenician, it was like okay, that, that's. Absolutely. So that's what brought you back. That's what brought me back. Yeah, that tells you a lot when someone comes back, right? Uh, Absolutely. Sometimes in places are just a stop, right? Yep. You know, mm-hmm. you keep moving. Yep. Uh, but to come back means it's, uh, it, it touched you and your family somehow. Yeah. That's great. Now, as a kid, living in New Hampshire in high school, making the move to Miami, that was like, you know, the golden ticket. Like, oh, my gosh. Where did you Miami. live in New Hampshire? Uh, Wyndham, New Hampshire. Right, like Salem, Nashua, right mm-hmm. there in the bottom. Sure. sure. And... Uh, so that was that was pretty cool. But now we, because my wife still has family that that lives there, and now when I go back, I'm like I, I couldn't even ever imagine living there. Anymore. Oh really? It's just so congested, no. so populated. Um, yeah, everything. I, for me to unwind and escape, unless I'm going to go out on the water there. But otherwise, I want to you know mountain bike, get out of yeah. you know kind of unwind in nature, and you just don't have that in, in Miami unless you're on the water. Yeah. yeah. What was the worst place you ever lived? Hmm. Worst place I ever lived. I mean, some of wasn't necessarily fond of San Antonio. Lived in San Antonio for a while. Oh, we're actually going to have the mayor of San Antonio next week. We'll ask him. All right. Well, you'll edit. You'll, you'll edit. You'll edit that out. <laughs> my first job. My first job out of college was working for a Marriott in uh, in San Antonio, and you know, going from South Florida to there, and I mean, there's a river walk, but there really wasn't. There's nothing. A lot else. And that's all people talked about was the Spurs and Riverwalk. Yeah. That's all you ever heard about. I'm like, how cool can this Riverwalk be? It can't be that cool. Yeah, you can't go there every weekend. It can't be that (laughs) cool. I mean, yeah. And do you have to go to Riverwalk to enjoy yourself? I always thought the same thing. I'm like, how cool can a Riverwalk be that would... I mean, it's cool, but it's, it's, you know, you you do it. You do it a couple times. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Exactly. Um... I mean, don't we do that at a canal right around the corner? <laughs> we don't have, we don't have, we don't have, like, maybe maybe right? we need to put some gondolas on it and yeah. uh, a couple of rest like you know, I don't I don't know. So you're a big sports fan? Uh I'm a I'm a Hurricanes fan. Big okay. Miami Hurricanes fan. Okay. I wouldn't uh, that's yeah, it's kinda I, I was a Miami Heat fan back in the day, but I just haven't kept up with like, you know, when when the when the playoffs started a couple of days ago, it kind of like, oh, what's the playoffs? Like, just been kind of in my own little world, working I, so much that I haven't haven't kept up with everything going on. And so, your your hours they could just be all across the board, or do you have a pretty steady schedule as director of ops? Uh, not now, because because we are so lean that and we have these pool, you know, our pool weekends happening. So it could, yeah, it, it, you could be there anytime. Yeah, yeah. Have you had trouble with? Uh, you know, finding talent, staff. Yeah, yeah, I, I heard that's like a, particularly in the restaurant industry, it's just a horrific problem right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, you know, some of the restaurants, definitely in the restaurant, the pool staff, um, you know, they're all gratuity, so they make they make pretty good, okay. pretty good money. Yeah. But anything like an engineer, security, front desk agents, mm-hmm. room attendants, housekeeping, all of those have been really, really tough. And, to what, and we so ramped up so yeah, fast. Sure. That what's tough about it? Just, I mean, you can so make more, more pre, money. Pre-co, you know. oh, that's true. That, yeah, that part of it is true. true. 
I mean, pre-COVID, I could post for a front desk agent and have 20 applicants in, in two days. Now you oh, so not a performance issue. It's literally oh, finding the talent. Just getting somebody to actually even apply. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know what? It's not just hotels. I mean, it's, I think it's, it's across. Everywhere. It's everywhere. All these businesses. I know um, another pastime of mine is off-roading and Jeeps and stuff like that. And I know guys that are in manufacturing and stuff like that. And they can't get guys. Interesting. Yeah. So I was uh, with the uh, CEO of a, a, a payments company. Um, so I was at dinner last, last week. And one of the things he shared with me uh, was that they process a lot of payments for people who can't tr- get traditional banking accounts. Mm-hmm. So they have p- these payment cards. And a lot of the stimulus checks were paid on these on their payment cards. Mm-hmm. He said they have like over 10,000 people who've not even touched the card really haven't spent a dime on the payment cards what does that tell you <laughs> it tells you that you know maybe people didn't need didn't need it didn't quite now need look it, that's 10,000 people you've got millions you probably got some sort yeah. of uh, seamless benefit and so I'm sure there's a lot of people who really need that money to make ends meet um, but it does give you a sense that you know perhaps um, you know we're we may have done a little more than we needed to. Yeah. I could be wrong. I think there's also, there's shifts in industries. So when we had to furlough a lot of our team, um, when we came time to call them, you know, just kind of like, mm-hmm. we use housekeeping as an example. We're going down the list and calling them to say, hey, we're, we're busy. We want to have you back. They've already, you know, they're working at the Amazon warehouse. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, they, they found it. something, they found something else. I mean, a lot of the jobs in the hotel industry are not glamorous. Well, so. and, and also I think the, the difficulty in, in, in hospitality in general also is that, you know, you have this variability in terms of when you work. You know, you may not work, and this may not be the case for you, but I think a lot of times you don't, you don't know if you're going to work this shift, or, you know, if you're going to work Monday through Friday, likely not. You know, you're going to work some, some combination of, you know, varied days and shift times that, mm-hmm. you know, if you, for some reason, like obviously in COVID, people who have been away from that and all of a sudden they land at an Amazon fulfillment center and they're working Monday through Friday, you know, eight to five. Do you go back? Mm-hmm. You know. Well, it's, that's typically one job instead of two. Correct. So exactly right. right. It allows exactly them. right. Yeah, I mean, work-life balance is so important to so many people. Yeah. You know, your, your friend in the restaurant, the you know, to work in culinary, your hours are horrendous. Yeah. We, we have sure. a, our, our pastry chef just made the transition from pastry to working in the executive office because, you know, she's got kids. And, you is know, that right? Pastry chef sometimes has to come in at, you know, 4 o'clock in the morning wow. and could work until 6, 7 o'clock at night, depending on what's going on. So, you know, you, you definitely can sacrifice some work-life balance when you're working those kind of hours. So what are some of the trends you're seeing from a guest perspective? So um, are people coming in from cities that surprise you? Uh, are you seeing more couples, less couples, more kids? What are some of the things that have changed since COVID came upon us? Uh, I mean, one of the things that just surprised me in the last couple, I mean, you, you saw me, I've been working a lot at the front desk. Yeah, a lot. Helping yeah. out that team. And I was really surprised. I mean, I'm just talking about the last three days, how many people are coming from like Chicago, Denver, Seattle, California. Those are usual markets. We always see business coming from there. But we had, um, you know, we had Oklahoma. We had a couple coming in from Massachusetts. Um, Mark, like just, 
you know, seeing more of huh. the Northeast or uh, markets that we usually don't see yeah. check in. But I think it's, you know, people have been, you know, not traveling for so long that they, they, they got a little bit of money in the bank and they're like, okay, let's, you know, they can't, you can't really go international or outside the borders with, with any kind of confidence right now. So they want to, um, you know, they're doing these trips that have been on their bucket list for a while. Um, so that's, that's pretty cool. It is cool. And, and I wonder, do you think the percentages of people who are taking these trips in consideration of relocating to Arizona has increased too? That's possible. I mean, def, definitely we've seen it from Washington and, and California. Oh, is that right? Absolutely. Okay. Washington and California. Yeah. We've seen a lot, a lot of people stay in the hotel that will do an extended stay because they're, they're, they're house hunting. Yeah. Um, you know, COVID changed a lot. I mean, people that were working or living in, you know, downtown areas that now with this whole shift to working from home and now the, the rural neighborhoods Absolutely. are just exploding with, with, you know, new people moving into them and the people that maybe were in those neighborhoods are like, okay, we're going to, you know, we're going to move out. So, I mean, that was like Wyndham, New Hampshire. When I lived in Wyndham, New Hampshire, it was a tiny little town, not much going on. Now it's a complete feeder subdivision to, to Boston. This is pre sure. this is pre COVID. Now sure. they may all be working from home, sure. so people are getting bigger homes, spending more time at home, mm-hmm. and changing changing all of that. And you know, Arizona is a state. I mean, it really feels like once you understand the landscape, if you're hungry, the socioeconomics tend to, tend to work for you here. And unlike a lot of other states, it just feels like the constraints here might not be the same as some of the other states. Um, I don't know if you found that, Charles, being an entrepreneur. No, that's exactly what I found. And, I, you know, when I first moved here, I've been in Arizona for, moved in 1988, so I've been here 23 years. And um, one of the things that was really, um, it, it was such a new um, reality in terms of, like, wow, people are really open here. Like, the opportunity, if you are Quite frankly, what friends about we should just say if you just showed up, mm-hmm. right? Forget about if you worked hard, right? <laughs> or if you were competent, but if you showed up, there was opportunity. And I think that that has been, you know, since I've lived here, one of the hallmarks of uh, just you know the, the the environment for for business or for work, where if you were just you know willing to show up and roll up your sleeves and and you know be relatively skilled or competent in what you do, that there was a real real chance for you to grow and excel. Uh, and succeed here, and I mm-hmm. think that's still that's still the case. I think so. Uh, I think so. So, people here are friendly too. You know I'll what? I think for the most that. part they really are. Yeah, I'll yeah never forget I that. I was working at the Princess. That's the job that I took when I when I moved out of here from Miami. And my wife doesn't call me at work too often. And my phone rings. I'm like, okay, what uh-oh, what's going on? And she was at Starbucks. And she's just like the people here, you know, moving from Miami, where everybody's kind of doing their own thing, and yeah, like absolutely. mind your own business, kind of that New York mentality. And she's like, everybody here is so nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the weather has a lot to yeah, do with that. Helps. Quite yeah, that does. We don't have a whole yeah. lot to be. Yeah, but we, right, we don't have any. There's no stressful um, weather things here. I couldn't. I, I was yeah. very happy to sell my generator when we left Florida <laughs> and not have to worry about boarding up the house and uh, having to deal with another hurricane yeah, in my crazy. lifetime. Yeah. So speaking of your wife, you moved all over the, you know, globe here at least the, domestically. How were you able to meet your wife and say, "Hey, this is the one"? How did that happen with so much movement? Well, I got lucky. So when I moved from New Hampshire to Miami, my junior year, so right, pretty much when I got there, I saw her at a picnic table at high school, 
Are you serious? Yep. Met her you in guys high go back that far? Yep. High school sweethearts. Well, I, we met in high school. We actually didn't start dating until she was a senior and I was a freshman. Well, were you playing hard to get? No, she was playing hard oh, to get. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> got, it. got it. Got it. So we did the so we did the long term long distance thing for a while because then I left and went to San Antonio. Then I went to L.A. So we were doing a long distance thing. It took me took me ten years to. So finally put a ring on it. Yeah. Well, she so, was 17 when we met. So. Well, I get it. Yeah. Oh, come on, Charles. What would you, you want him to do? <laughs> I just said, <laughs> I don't know. He said so. 10 years. I don't know. I, mean, I was hanging at the bar of Beverly Wilshire. Sure. I mean, I wasn't in a rush. <laughs> in some <laughs> states, in some states, he could have got his wearing uh, at 12. So what are you suggesting he should have done? <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So, I, you know, okay, you're in L.A., She's there. I'm sure you're thinking, hey, she's the one. L.A. could have thrown you the other way, right? Was it San Antonio that threw you back? No, I think, <laughs> like, it, I think it was L.A. that threw me to, this yeah, is the one I need to land. Yeah. Because most of the other women out there are this is a just little crazy. Bag of tricks. <laughs> Remember the yeah. part about who was showing up at the hotel? Yeah. 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 It, it's that reality dose, right? It's the, yeah. hey, great looking scenery. Man, I'm yeah. not trying to spend more than two days, yeah. right? It's, I get it. You know, one of the things that, that's been so successful for us is that because we didn't date right away, we kind of had that, that friendship almost like best friends yeah. before we started dating. That's and so that, huge. And that, you get that foundation, and then a lot of the other stuff will, will work itself out. Yeah. Is that what you experienced, Charles? Yeah. With, with, <laughs> I'm, exactly. I'm serious, man. Did you, you guys are best friends first. Sure. And then, okay. You strike me as a best friends kind of guy. <laughs> that is Julie Highworks. No, seriously. I'm, I'm, you know, that's I, yeah. Julie Highworks. Okay, I didn't have a 10 year courtship, but I'm just saying that is Julie okay. Highworks. Yeah, okay, got you it. You become friends and you appreciate one another from that perspective. And then, you know, hopefully you're able to make a successful journey. <laughs> yeah. I do think that's the formula, man, because. I'm sure you experienced like during COVID, that person has to be your friend, mm-hmm. right? It can't just be this yeah, you gotta be able sexual to talk chemistry, to right? Yeah. I mean, you're going to see people where you've never seen. What did you just say? You said sexual <laughs> chemistry? What are you talking about? <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> That's code for doing the dishes. Right. Exactly. Giving you a dose of reality, Mr. Single Man. Do your laundry and wash the dishes. Right. Exactly. Uh, Single Man. (laughs) Got it. Okay. So, um, that's pretty funny. No, I got lucky with her. That's pretty funny. To have her patience to deal with me and all the relocations. She had a pretty, I mean, she, she, she's worked for Progressive Insurance for almost 20 years. And she was able to do that, you know, in most of the places we lived. And then when we went to Hawaii, she she got a two year two year vacation. Oh, okay. And what about now? She so when now. she so she was working for Progressive here. Yeah. We went to Hawaii. When she when we came back, they um they bridged her. So she went back to work for Progressive and they gave oh, her okay. they gave her her time. Wow, so, man, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's a good speaks to the company. That's awesome. So what do you think is next for you? Not necessarily in terms of leaving or staying, but just as you think about your life, do you want to continue in the hospitality zone? Do you kind of want to make Arizona home indefinitely now? Yeah, one of the things we didn't talk about. So when I was at the Four Seasons Palm Beach, so I went from Beverly Wilshire to Four Seasons Palm Beach, was there for a couple of years. My brother-in-law um, was an exec with Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Yeah. And he didn't want to 
work for the big corporate anymore. So he he branched off and was starting his own company, uh, Body Shops in Miami, two two big body shops. So he was doing that, and he's not even a car guy. He's more of a business guy. I'm the car guy. So he said, "Hey, let's you know, what do you think about taking a break from hospitality?" And coming and starting this business with me. Got it. So that was only supposed to be one to two years, but that was right in the um, kind of 06, 07 recession. Yeah. Yep. So it wasn't a really good time to get back into the luxury. And what city were you in then? Miami. Okay. Miami. So we moved from from Palm Beach okay. back, back down to Miami. And uh, so I did four years. It became four years working in the automotive got industry. And that's kind of what segued into me doing off-road and all that stuff. Too. I got a lot it. of the yeah. stuff I was doing off-road, I would, would have never been able to do if I didn't have a body shop on Monday to, to fix it all. Okay. <laughs> what was your favorite uh, auto to work on? Like, what was, what would... I can tell you my favorite autos not to work on. Anything that started with an S. Subaru, Saab. <laughs> so what was the other one? Subaru, Saab, Saturn. Those were a nightmare. Oh, I couldn't get, couldn't get parts. parts. Couldn't get parts. They weren't very well Subarus, made cars. though, were tough. Really? This, is, this is, you know, this is back in 07, yeah. 08. Oh, yeah, you couldn't get parts for them. Saab, I get. Yeah. I used to love yeah. those Saab 900s. Yeah, that was cool, yeah. Saab yeah. 900 yeah. turbo. Yeah, they look good, but yeah. when you have to work on it, <laughs> it's a total, totally different story. Um, so when we, so when, when the shop got up and running, um, one of the things that helped us was, because that's when the, because I was focusing on restorations. There's actually a pretty big restoration market in Miami with a lot of the guys bringing cars up from Central South America yeah. and restoring yeah. them. So I was kind of doing that and then doing custom. And then my brother-in-law was kind of focusing on the whole insurance side of things. And we partnered up with a couple different insurance companies, which kind of helped us through that time because one one would be up when another one was down. Because a lot of shops only have, like, they have all their, all their eggs in one basket. So you, you know, had the just, Miami version of Pimp My Ride? Exactly, exactly. But that all dried up during during the um, during the recession. You know, we were painting wheels for like four different companies, and you know, some of those companies went out of business. It just wasn't, you know, that that wasn't happening a lot. And that's when I was like, okay, and I, and I was only planning to do it for like one or two years. I wanted to get back, so it, it just became a longer length of time. So that kind of recharged my batteries for you know hospitality is where I, where I want to be. And then we moved out here in '09. Okay. Beginning of ten. So you're a bit of a car buff. What is your uh, What is your dream car? Uh, right now, I'd say a GT3, Porsche GT3, mm, GT3 yeah. or GT3 RS. Fast. So really fast. Yep. Yep. Have a seventy four nine eleven. My dad's about to get a resto mod of a of a three fifty six Speedster. <sighs> wow. So I do like classics. That's too. awesome. Classics are they're fun to drive. Where you know. GT3, you can't do anything on the street that would even kind of get your heartbeat going. You could, you know, drink a glass of wine and do 100 miles an hour and, yeah. and yawn at the same time. <laughs> but you drive a 356 speedster at 70 miles an hour and you think you're going to, you know, enter the Earth's atmosphere. <laughs> so at one point in time, what's the most cars you've you've owned? Oh, uh, no, never a lot. Um, you should ask DJ the same question. Oh, yeah, Marcy. <laughs> well, I see. I see the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, no, never a lot. Three, three or four. Never, never much. I mean, now you know, with a sixteen-year-old is driving and his car, and you know, that will probably be the most we ever have. When the so yeah, yeah. My parents live in Cape Creek too. So yeah, don't start with me either. Yeah, don't start. What's your favorite? What's your dream start. car? Don't start. What he ask? <laughs> dream car. Uh, some people dream. Some people do. Uh, yeah, so. No, I, I have a dream car still. Um, Aston Martin DBS. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. But you just got and do you, and do you have it here. parked in the garage? And so did you. <laughs> yeah, but he's. Yeah, <laughs> don't start. Don't start. Don't start. Uh, yeah, I. Uh, it's funny because I test drove um, an Aston Martin. I know you did uh, a few months ago. You loved it too, didn't you? Uh, honestly, I didn't. You? I thought you loved it. I didn't. I. It was a little heavy for me, uh, but it was. It was also. Okay. It was also a 2017. And, okay, uh, things have changed. Things have changed. Yep. I think the body style is a little different. I yep. drove one years ago that I thought was amazing. But it was just a different experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to mention, I had my wife in the car in my ear. I you gonna really drive that? <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a fun experience. I could have done. I could have done without that. That would have been helpful, you know. But um, I'm sure that had a lot to do with the experience too. I get it. But um, but no, it's a beautiful car yeah. for sure. Beautiful car. Yeah. So one day, what's your favorite car you ever had, John? That I ever had? Yeah. Oh, it's tough because I do like the Taycan, but um, I enjoyed the Tesla. Okay. Yeah, I yeah. enjoyed it. But the Taycan's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so, I, you know. The, so you Notice he just jumped off that. He didn't want to talk <laughs> oh, yeah. about what he drives. <laughs> Look, I just tried to get something to get around yeah, in, right? Hey, you, you sold, you sold the Tesla. The biggest <laughs> Are you kidding you me? Must know that, man. <laughs> just did, to get I around did, in? I did. I hope I can just get around <laughs> in that <laughs> one day. <laughs> wow. Hey, man. You know what? Hey, life's short. Yeah, life's, life's, no, I, I agree. Life's life is short. absolutely short. Enjoy. It's short. It's rolling, rolling art. Rolling art. That's right, man. And, and you know what? If, if we had... I don't have many vices. I really don't believe I do. I do love cars. And I don't go crazy, but I'm like, if I want the car, man, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get the car I, I want to get. Yeah. And I um, get that. I mean, I'm exactly the same right? way. Right? Seriously, I mean, man. It's exactly not like I'm running out, way. you know. Well, at least you can use it. It's not like you, you spend you all this it? money Absolutely. for a picture that, you know, yeah. goes on the wall and you can look at it. But, you, you know, this yeah, is, this is rolling Absolutely. Art. Yeah. When people have their personal things that they enjoy, and not everything has to be an investment where you're seeing the return. This is the one area where I allow myself to have a little bit of freedom, you know, to, to play around a little bit. But I'll tell you a secret after the show. I won't tell you now. No. Is it involved with a deposit? You know, you know what he's doing. Let me tell you what he's doing, what he's doing Rick. He wants me to bait him. No, no, so no. He I'm says not tell- it, I'm and not it's going to be this. something I don't want to no, hear. No, so no, then he's going, no, oh, I wasn't going to tell, tell you. <laughs> this is not for on air. This is not oh, for okay. on air. All right. I'll tell you later. I'll tell you later. All right. I'm not sure where he's going with that one. But it's fine. It's fine. But it's, you know, it's, okay. yeah, I'll tell you later. I'm enough. sure my, I'm, I'm sure for me, once once the kids are out of the house, then then I'll get a little bit more freedom with buying cars that don't, okay. make, that don't make sense. Okay. <laughs> right so, now it's bicycles because you know bicycles are... Yeah, by the way, what do you ride? I have got a bunch of bicycles. Yeah. So I just sold an S-Works Robet. I have a specialized tarmac. I have a specialized Robet. Okay. I have a uh, Kona Libre, which is kind of like an adventure mm-hmm. gravel bike. Yeah. And hmm. then I have, uh, I have a bunch of mountain bikes. Just got a brand new pivot switchblade. Oh, so that's... Okay. Now that's your zone there. Yeah, I got... Yeah, I got a bunch of mountain bikes. So how many bikes do you have? More than 10. That's real. Wow. That's a lot of money, too. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's a tool for every job, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if I'm racing on mountain bike, there's the one bike, you know, the lightweight bike. If you're going to go ride, you know, South Mountain, there's another bike. So whenever, I, I mean, like I said, we've known each other for about a year and a half. Whenever 
I see you. You're the utmost professional, service-oriented. What would your staff be? What would blow their hair back if they knew about you? Hmm. Probably. I mean, I pretty much, I'm pretty honest and open about everything. Probably if you went back to my early years, like when I was in Miami and I, I used to do like street racing at the highest level with, I don't think with, they would do with, that with sport bikes, which in hindsight is completely, yeah. how I'm still sitting here is amazing. Now what, what qualifies as a sport bike? Very fast crotch rockets. I don't think they would think that. No, they don't no scream no. sport bike. No. Guy. Even when I was doing it in Miami, and I'd take my helmet off, the people would be like, Wait, what what are you doing? Like <laughs> oh, <he's, laughs> Well, think about see, Miami. Think about the culture German of Miami. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who's this white, like, you know, <laughs> fair skin? That's the other thing. I'm like of all the places I've lived, Hawaii, Virgin Islands, I'm always the whitest one in the room. <laughs> I only have two wow. shades, white and red. So <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to. Uh, uh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think that would be pretty shocking to yeah, my wife that, knows that, that part of me, but most people don't. Yeah. yeah. Do your sons know that? No, I don't think so. Not to the level. That's interesting. No, not to the level. How long were you into that? A few years. I mean, pretty much all of college. So that was kind of a lifestyle for you. Pretty much all of college. Yeah. yeah, if I wasn't going to class, I was usually on a motorcycle. Wow. Yeah, and then I was, for a while, I was, so after I left South Campus, sorry, after I left North Campus, I moved to Brickell, thinking, oh, Brickell, great, live on Brickell, but, yeah. You know, South Campus FIU is on the total opposite side of town, mm-hmm. and you have to take the highway there by the by the airport, which is taking your life into your hands, even in a, in a car. So doing that ride back and forth on my sport bike, and then that's when I moved out to Doral. Um, but yeah, riding a motorcycle, well, anywhere, but especially in Miami is... And I how many tickets did you avoid? I mean, how many times did you get avoid chased by the cops? Avoid or even got. I mean, well, I was, I'm sure you got chased by the cops a few times, I would yeah, imagine. Yeah. I mean, every weekend. <laughs> <laughs> he just doesn't scream that though. Does no, he? Yeah, not at all. that's why you just get no, no, not at all. No, no, not at all. No, and then you and then you come to your senses and you're like, this, the, he, this he is a very, very the cop giving someone yeah. the ticket <laughs> more so than the guy driving. There's no question yeah, about it. Yeah. Well, always, always like speed and anything with wheels. So that's pretty wow. Cool. But that's uh, yeah. I was lucky to get out of that chapter of my life as lucky as I was. So you've done a lot, you've accomplished a lot, you've built a lot of strong relationships. If you were ever inducted into the Hall of Fame, what would it be for? Wow. Um, You know, I, I guess what I would want to be inducted for is maybe, you know, something along the lines of servant leadership. Uh, I think awesome. I think that making sure my team is set up for success. I mean, you've seen it firsthand. Absolutely. If the front desk is struggling, I'm, you know, first man on, yeah. last man out. So make sure that they're, you know, I'll do whatever it takes. Um, a lot of our team shares that same mentality. Yeah. It doesn't matter what, you know, your title is. If, you know, our GM needs to be in the kitchen expediting dishes out to the restaurant, he does it. If I need to be at the pool helping set chairs or whatever it may be, I'll do it. So definitely want the whole team to think that, and all my teams throughout my whole career, mm-hmm. that that uh, you know I'm, I'm there for you regardless of what what it takes. Um, so, well, I see that. I'm, I'm you know for a long time I didn't know he was running the joint. He'd be up front just like anybody else, 
you know, whether I was checking in, picking something up, parking your car, <laughs> mm, okay. my car, whatever, whatever it might be. Thank you for the reminder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Some cars are better than others. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. For sure. It'll park the Saturn. So, <laughs> so as a hospitality guest, take off your hat of being the actual, um, you know, person who's providing that hollow service. What's the best hospitality experience you've ever had as a either hotel guest, a traveler, a restaurant? What's been the best experience you've ever had? I was uh, when my, my my wife's name is Edie, and we were uh, we were honeymooning in Bali at the uh, at the Four Seasons, and they have these little bungalows that kind of are along the along the coast there, and you know she's still sleeping. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go out for a walk on the beach or get a jog in or whatever, and I walked out of the the bungalow, and there's a guy there watering the grass or you know watering the bushes and everything and he says good morning mr grafe I'm like i'm like i was i was floored i'm like the landscape team here wow knows the guest names that's just a whole you know you know there's we have all these little secrets of the trade right like a bellman can always get your name off a piece of luggage mm-hmm. or, or stuff like that but for the landscape guy sure to have known the guests that are uh, that, that was that floored me. I gotta wow. tell you, I was—I've never been enamored or sold on the Four Seasons as a brand, and um, so I've stayed a lot of different places. Stayed at the Ritz. Stayed the—I love the Peninsula. Great hotels. Mm-hmm. Chicago, uh, Chicago, Hong Kong, mm-hmm. Beverly Hills, New York. I mean, great hotel chain. But then we were in Costa Palmas. In uh, Cabo San Lucas last uh, August, it was Four mm. Seasons property. Mm-hmm. Blown away. P- pretty new. Pretty new. Yeah. Pretty new. Blown away. Yeah. I mean the service, the level of service, um, just the attentiveness of, attentiveness of of staff. I mean it was just incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, would go back there in a heartbeat, uh, and it's not easy to get to you, mm-hmm. you, you. I was in I was in Cabo in September. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a great property, and uh, it just gave me a whole different view of Four Seasons. Yeah, it's also it's also culture. <clears throat> True, the, the, the culture. There's a lot of that too. When right. when I was at Palm Beach, we opened the uh, Four Seasons Exuma in the Bahamas, and it didn't matter who you put there; it, we couldn't match. It just the culture. We just couldn't get to the level of service that we wanted to, just because of the the team that we had there. Oh, is just, that right? Yeah, but mm-hmm. if you go to Hawaii and you you know you have a, a lot of you know, people from the Philippines, like their their commitment, their work ethic is just is amazing. Yeah, and and you get that. I, I, I always have that in Cabo too, yeah. where the guys just are. You know, the whole team is just Incredible. amazing. From the room attendants to the Everyone. to the restaurant staff to the, you know, people that are down on the beach, everything. Yeah, totally agree. I stayed at a Hyatt place once. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Level of service. Carry carry your own bag. <laughs> 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 so oh yeah. my god! <laughs> Never experienced anything like. So <laughs> we've got about five minutes left. We always like to offer our guests an opportunity to ask us any questions. Did we miss anything with you? Hmm. Not that we're so interesting that you have all these questions in your head about <laughs> us, but if you want to ask, we're we're right here for you. Um. 
I don't know if you've answered this on another podcast. So I, I did a little cheating, and I listened to some of your other podcasts to try to find out what, what kind of questions you've asked. Right. <laughs> I was like, that's, that's definitely not cheating. We need yeah. more cheaters. Yeah. Have you, I don't know if you've ever answered the question of who is your Mount Rushmore of the people that molded you to who you are today. He's answered that. He have answered he that? He answered okay. that. I'm not you saying know? you shouldn't. We both have. We both answered it. Yeah, but you can ask him again. Has it changed? <laughs> um, I think we did it on the first episode we did. Like, mm-hmm. just you and I. Yeah. yeah. My mom, Producer someone whispered the third. third. Jay just said the third. <laughs> third. She watches too, huh? <laughs> My mom, I think you've met, or she's been at the hotel. You may have met her. I think I've yeah, met her. Yeah. Paula. Um, my grandmother, who's no longer alive, her mom, Alice. Um, <clears throat> well, and I may have put this, I'm not sure how, how I put it, but um, at least people who are really influential. Uh, Roxanne, who was one of my first managers coming out of college, and then um, Clint Cole, who was a subsequent manager of mine when I worked at Kraft General Foods. Mm. And obviously for all different reasons. My mom's on a daily basis, such a positive influence. Hard worker, Mm. never completed college, but always stressed uh, what it meant to carry myself as a man. Um, My grandmother just really stressed diligence and hard work. And I've talked about her not missing a day of work in 25 years. She worked at the Kellogg Company in Battle Creek, Michigan. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Clint um, was my first black male manager that I ever had in a professional environment. And um, stressed to me that at times, for some people, perception can be reality. So just make sure you're managing both. And then Roxanne was like, just, you know, how you present yourself matters. I know you're a hard worker, but always be cognizant of people are watching you all the time. Mm. So for those reasons. <clears throat> you're four? Um, you remember who you? Yeah, I remember. I think mine are going to be, I'm going to switch it up just a little bit. Um, mom and dad, for sure. Um, tons of influence on both sides of that uh, in terms of just... Uh, what it's like to just really be diligent and, and um, you know, be competent in what you do. And, and, and obviously education is a big part of their story, which was a really big influence on me to want to have as much education as I could and, and to have it at, at very high levels. But then also, um, you know, I, I'll, I'll bucket my maternal grandparents, uh, my, um, my father's mother and father, who my, my, um, my grandfather worked in, uh, the mills in North Carolina, in a little small town, for over sixty years. Mm. Uh, even saw the man. Is that right? Never missed a day at work. Wow. He and got his finger cut off at work one day and went back the next day. Did the Ronnie Lutt, huh? Uh, yeah, and um, you know, and then my grandmother who owned a florist for over sixty years, um, and uh, I think it's where the entrepreneurial blood comes from. And I think I just, Sherry found her way in there last time. She did find her way in there last you time. You got a five-headed much more yeah. about that. <laughs> but I was thinking about my my, my, yeah. my 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 maternal grandparents as well. My my I always think about this. My my grandfather was a PhD in the nineteen. This is in the South in the nineteen 
thirties. Wow, do you know where he went to school? Twenties. He went to Johnson C. Smith. Wow. HBCU. And uh, my wow. my mother Talk my about mom's overcoming mother. some hurdles. Whew. Yeah, and, and you That's know, in the deep south, you know, he's a PhD, very very esteemed, very very, you know, um, just um, <laughs> sort of a, a an aristocrat in his own way, yeah. right? And uh, um, just watching him and the way he sort of moved, he was a very serious man, very serious man. I don't know if I ever saw him laugh or smile, um, and uh, you know, he would. My sister and I would come and. If we sat there and we were quiet, we'd get a quarter when we left. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, seriously. So uh, just awesome, just man. the dichotomy wow. of, you know, just having, uh, you know, grandparents on both sides that are demonstrably different. different. My, my, my grandfather never finished eighth grade. My grandmother barely graduated from high school. You know, on the other hand, I've got, you know, College educated grandparents, That's crazy. you know, to you know, again, PhD doctor. Um, that that just uh, and they're on your dad's side, dad. No, that's on my mother's side, on your mother's, mother's side. side. Got it, yeah. okay. So, yeah. wow, yeah, so yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's really hard to break it down to four. Um, but how about you? Who are you for? So, my mom and dad, definitely my work ethic. Um, Kind of the, if you're going to do it, do it right the first time. Came from my dad. My mom's Canadian, so she's got that, um, you know, that very open personality. Mm-hmm. And, and using that, you know, then moving basically every one to two years, you know, think about a new school, yeah. having to make all new friends, kind of molds you into being able to walk into any room and spark up a conversation with, with anybody. Um, I think when I got, so, you know, having... So one thing we never talked about is that so Hurricane Andrew destroyed our house in Miami, and and then my parents and my brother, who's five years younger than me, they moved to Hong Kong. So since I was eighteen, I was living in Miami solo. Part of the reason I was able to kind of go on a tangent because there wasn't anybody, you know, staying on top of me. Um, so then when I moved from Miami, graduated, went to San Antonio, I'm living with my uncle, who's a retired colonel in the military. So he definitely kind of brought me back into discipline, okay. structure, attention to detail. Um, you know, we were living under the same roof. So, you know, we're going to go out and wash the car. I'd show up with a sponge and he'd have a toothbrush. So <laughs> whole other level of, uh, yeah. um, so those are three of the four. Um, I guess I'd have to say another really awesome mentor I had was my, was my boss at Four Seasons Palm Beach. Um, you, you work in so many hotels and, and so people are so busy just doing that to find somebody that will like escape some time to, to mentor and teach you. Um, you know, cause you, you think about when you get these promotions to different jobs, a lot of times there's just the expectation that, that you know, it and you may have no clue. Um, so, so the, the, her name was Cindy Rocco. She was my, uh, manager in Palm Beach so she took the time teaching me budgets teaching me checkbooks teaching me kind of all the financial side of the business absolutely so then I come to the princess and when I had the business in Miami too which which kind of you know further solidified that then they come to the the princess the princess is such a big hotel you don't have to worry about that you have a whole team that's going to manage that for you but then you go to Hawaii you know when I got to Hawaii not was I doing my job but my boss position was vacant so there wasn't a hotel manager my 
real boss was the regional vice president. So he, you know, oh, was he, that, he okay. had bigger responsibilities. He's not worrying about day-to-day stuff. He shouldn't have to worry about day-to-day stuff. So if it wasn't for what she taught me, you know, back then, going to yeah. that job, I would have, you know, definitely not been set up for success. Um, so I always have a, a, real awesome. pre- a real appreciation for anybody that can take some time to to teach. You know, it's that, that old motto, uh, teach a, what is it, teach a man to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. Give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. Teach a man to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. Yeah, yeah. That, that mentality. Well, you had to be present enough to, present enough to have some foresight that you might not need that skill today, but at some point it might pay off for you. So that's mm-hmm. all to you too. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, man, it's yeah. been wonderful talking to yeah. you. I mean, obviously we, you know, kind of in passing see each other a lot, but it's good to understand you and your life at a different level. So thank you for joining yeah, us. Thank really you. Thank you for having me. Been great. Yeah, I enjoyed it's it. It's been fantastic. Yeah. I enjoyed it. And thank you for joining us for The Conscious Vibe. Thank you for joining us. And check us out on tcvpodcast.com.